everybody. Welcome back to the Beyond the Peloton podcast. I'm Spencer Martin of the Beyond the Peloton newsletter. I'm here, as always, with Andrew Vance of the Choose the Hard Way podcast. This is our big interview with the Yumbo Visma team principal, Richard Pluga. Andrew and I talked to him about a wide range of things. Unfortunately, he could not go into details on the merger, not merger, um, future sponsor of Yumbo Visma, Sudal Quickstep. So if, if you're wondering why we're not getting into that right away, it's because he... Um, couldn't discuss that sensitive topic in detail. We do ask him a little bit about next year and the team's plans for that at the end of the episode. But Andrew, do you want to say a quick word about your podcast before we get into it? Choose the hard way. Yeah, I know a lot of people are wondering whether we've signed with Yumbo Visma. You'll just have to listen to the interview to find out if this is the year we finally go to the world tour. Um, but Choose the Hard Way is the podcast about how hard things build stronger humans who have more fun. You can find us at choosethehardway.com. Choose the hard ways on all your favorite listening platforms and at Hardway Pod on social. Have tons of interviews with pro cyclists like Pete Stetna. I've got one coming up with Alexis Scarta, who won the uh, XC Marathon National Championships and is ripping it up on the Lifetime Grand Prix, dropping pretty soon. So come check us out everywhere you listen. Well, thanks. And let's get into that interview right now. Well, Richard, thanks for taking the time to join us. It is great to have you on after this historic season from Jumbo Visma, the Grand Tour sweep, sweeping the podium at the Volta Espana. I, I, I think uh, my other podcast co-host, Johan Vernil, and I looked into it. Some team did it in like 1967, but since then it hasn't been done. Really impressive. We just wanted to sit down with you and talk about how you went from the team's press officer Back in 2012, I believe you were hired like April 2012, six months later, you're running the team. Can you talk us through a little bit about, you know, the turmoil of that era of that era? I think if people don't remember, you had the sponsor Rabobank, they left, it was Team Blanco for a while. How did you take it from, and I don't mean this as, as disrespectful, but the chaos of that time and kind of the the performance, which was, you know, I would say bottom half of the world tour to where you are now, where you're the world's most dominant team and winning seemingly every race you, you enter. Wow. <laughs> that's a big question. Huh? That's, uh, that's <laughs> well, you a, can start, start uh, it's with a that. Long, it's a long story. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to be short, I was, I was hired as the uh, communication manager and, and, uh, uh, and yes, press office, uh, yeah, press was also one of my, my tasks, but also the internal communication, um, already then, uh, the rainbow bank had the feeling, um, the rainbow bank. So the bank was the owner of the team. Um, and the bank had the feeling that they, um, yeah, they, they needed to go back to, to sports more than being, uh, let's say organized. Uh, like a bank so the, the the ceo at that time or the, the boss at that time Hulk Knebel, uh, really had a good vision on how he should uh, change the team however um then um yeah the, the useda report came out with all the details and and also some some former riders of Rabobank were were mentioned in there and um so there was the reason for Rabobank to pull out uh, and I was indeed, uh, I was asked in 2011 and I started, I think in, uh, uh, 2000, yeah, April, 2012. Uh, yeah, you're correct. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and then I started and we, we first started, I, I obviously I first started to, to look at, okay, how are things organized internally and, and what is the internal organization, et cetera, et cetera. And we didn't change that, that much yet. 
uh, at the time. Uh, however, we we uh, hired already uh, Marijn Zeeman to join the team uh, at the 1st of uh, November of that year, 2012. And Marijn and myself, we had a lot of talks um, already before that, how we would see a team, um, yeah, how, how to, uh, to see the team evolve to a better team and, and also take a look at, at how uh, cycling was organized at that time um, and how we could do that better. Um, but yeah, that was all still under the umbrella of, of Rabobank. And, uh, but then Rabobank pulled out in October uh, and we had to, uh, uh, yeah, I, I took over the team. It, it's a company. It's just, uh, I took over all shares uh, and the 1st of January, 2013, I had, uh, I had suddenly a a team, and Rabobank really wanted to um, to to leave uh, the sport, uh, the Armstrong era. It was so it was really a difficult uh, time, and um, yeah, I had I wanted to start uh, all over, <clears throat> leave the past behind, um, and and uh, look at a team how yeah organize a team that uh, yeah exactly as, as the plan was within the Rabobank uh, but then without the Rabobank also to organize a team um, nobody else uh, had done before at that time and we had a big example with Sky because they also kind of did the same they did it differently to to the teams uh, uh, to the other teams in cycling and they were very successful with that um, so that that was the idea, and that's why why we uh, named the team Blanco, uh, because again we wanted to leave the past behind. So start with a blank sheet of paper, but also start with a blank sheet of paper in in the organization of a cycling team, and and uh, yeah, that's where this this journey started. Um, but yeah, we also had to survive because it's nice that you have an idea of how to organize a team. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the business model of cycling is still uh, that you need, uh, uh, yeah, ninety-five percent of your income is coming out of out of sponsorship. So we had to find sponsors to 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 guarantee the the longer term or the midterm uh, of of this uh, this uh, this team. So the first one or two years was really surviving, um, two thousand thirteen and fourteen. And that that yeah it culminated in in a very bad year in 2015 where we were last in the world tour, uh, we were rock bottom. Uh, but it, it all had to do with the the unrest with with the insert uncertainty uh, for many people in our team uh, that came out at the moment that we found uh, a long term sponsorship with Lotto and and especially Jumbo at that time and brand loyalty. So um, uh, yeah, then the year after, so 2015 was really uh yeah uh, yeah it was really bad let's say everybody was kind of in relief that we had a longer future but uh, but also then then the the uncertainty and and the unrest and the uh, the chaos more or less came out let's say and and we had to really uh reorganize our team and uh, so we did that in in that year and also the the 2016 um yeah and then that but to be honest uh never waste a good a good crisis is uh is a uh, is something people always say and and it's very very true because we were rock bottom in 2015 and we could really build it from there uh, and then we finally got the opportunity to create a team as we marijn zeeman especially and myself uh already uh, envisaged in in 2012 because then we had the time 
and the momentum to um, to start to start working on that. Not that it was uh, overnight uh, successful, but but we at least we started to work on on a lot of things, and, um, and we started to work on that in 2016. And then suddenly and gradually, we were starting to to get better and better. Just to go back to the the transfer process, so Rabobank just signed the shares of the team over to you, or do you ha- did you have to purchase that? For yeah, you? I purchased them. Yeah, you purchased them, and then they gave you a bucket of money that you know said good luck, and then you had to find a sponsor before that. Yeah, Rabobank money exactly. Rabobank was very good uh, for the, uh, for the sport as well, and also for the people in in our team that uh, they, they left us uh, behind, and and you can. You can be sad about that because it was a long-term and very good sponsor of of cycling, um, but they also left left it behind in in a very good place uh, because we we indeed got the, the opportunity to uh, yeah to to move on and and to um, to restart let's say thanks to thanks to them and uh, but yeah it was also up to me to uh, to find uh, someone else and, and to find other sponsorship money to to uh, yeah not only survive one or two years but also yeah like today 10 years or even 25 years uh, hopefully so richard obviously you were the right guy to do this and over time you've had these phenomenal results in that moment what made you want to put your hand up and say hey i'm the guy to do this and was there anybody else in the mix who was trying to do the same thing on the team or were you kind of the only person i'm not sure uh, within the team nobody wanted to do it uh, but uh, externally i don't know if there were other uh, other people uh, uh, i don't care uh, either um it, it was yeah i was i was there you know and, and i had a plan and and um, i just came from a very good job at the at publishing uh, uh, company uh, here in holland and one of the biggest of of Europe and and yeah I I just thought you know uh, that I have a plan now and I have a vision for a cycling team I I was a cycling journalist as well in the past and I had my ideas already how you could do it different and and better than other teams and and I wanted to uh, yeah to to fulfill this plan uh, let's say this vision and and try to to see if I can do it, uh, if I could do it, and and to be honest, at that time um, I could not lose. Let's say you know it was either everybody uh, would have said, okay, you tried one year and and uh, uh, it didn't work out, but it's logical because it's really difficult. It was it was at that time it was a really difficult time to uh, to find sponsors because everybody was uh, again thanks to the USADA report and 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 the the ten years or fifteen years before that that um, all big companies were very very reluctant to put their reputation in, into um, into um, uh, how do you say that in English uh, you know that they wanted to break their reputation by going into cycling that that was the that was the atmosphere uh, in in at least in in Holland and Belgium and, and uh, Western Europe at that time uh, don't put your money in, into cycling um, so. It would have been logical if I would not have succeeded, but uh, yeah. On the other hand, you know, I'm also a cyclist, so I keep uh, pushing, uh, I keep pedaling, and uh, I need to come, I need to be <laughs> come to the finish. So uh, if you want to reach the top, you have to you have to pedal. If you stop pedaling, you go backwards. So I kept pushing, and um, yeah, and and that's where we are, to, and now we are here today. You're living the dream. This is what every yeah. everyone who writes and talks about cycling literally wants to do. What you did, congratulations! You're. Uh, I'm not sure you. I'm not sure you want to do this, <laughs> especially then, uh, because 
uh, you were asking, uh, were there other people who wanted to do that? Well, I can tell you, um, I don't know from outside or external, but internally and also in the, in the world of sports in Holland, nobody wanted to burn their, their, their fingers on this project because yeah, the, the risk of, of not succeeding was of course bigger. And I can tell you the first right. two to three years were obviously, uh, very, very, very hectic and very stressful and very uh you know the, the first year is is like okay we'll see kind of uh but then um you know you really want to make sure that 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 it happens and you 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 know the, the responsibility for all the people in the team working there um etc etc is also coming and and um yeah i think the, the again the first three to four years and uh, even 2015, when you were the, the the worst team in in cycling, I can tell you, not many people wanted to uh, to change jobs with me at that time, um, and, and not even people who were writing it and and dreaming of it every day. I think. <laughs> yeah, and Richard, how had your past as a journalist and in publishing? Did it give you any skills or any kind of background that uniquely prepared you or gave you advantage in what you do now and as you built the team? No, I think um, um, it's. It, uh, I worked on on magazines, for example, but also websites, etc. Uh, before websites were were big, <laughs> in the time that people thought that the website was something that might f fly over and and will will stop in eventually, um, I, I we already created websites for for magazines, and uh, journalists then uh, were very much. Uh, some journalists were, were very much against that because they wanted to write for paper and they were educated for writing on paper and not for a, a small website. Um, so, and why I'm telling this is because um, uh, these are, let's say the writers, uh, these are the, the stars who are the, making the, 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 um, the things why the readers are coming to your, your, uh, your, your magazine or your website. Um, and on the other end, you have your, your commercial uh, site where you, you have to sell ad, ad, uh, advertisement, etc. Um, and, you know, the, your stars are really important because you need to have uh, yeah, good writers, good journalists who can find uh, good stories and the good, etc. Because then you have your, then you have your, your, uh, um, uh, your audience uh, and people will, will come back to you. And uh, so that's, that's where... And and this this too has to be in balance, you know, the commercial side and the and the winning side of things is is and that's what I I learned already in in the journalism because I was also kind of publisher in the end of the day where you have to balance both, you know, you have to make sure that again you have your stars, your star writer, uh, but you also have to make sure that you keep the money and and get in the money enough money to to um, yeah, to run uh, a podcast or a website or a magazine or a paper. So um, that that's that's more or less uh, very comparable to to running a a, a cycling team. That's that you might be like one of five people in the world who's ever <laughs> I just been able to equate running a publishing company to running this pro pro sports team. It does make a lot of sense though when you when you spell it out. I mean, you you guys are known as I, I'd say two big things that stick out to me are. Uh, you think of like Team Sky, so dominant mid two thousands. You know, uh, in my opinion, they kind of just sat back. They would wait for a writer to become obviously good, then they would throw a bunch of money at them. That writer would come in. You guys were going out and finding like Primus Roglic, who, who I didn't, I had no idea who this person was when he started winning all those one week stage races. Is like who is like what? How do you say this name? Who is this guy? 
Same thing with Jonas Vindigo. Is it Jonas Vindigo or Jonas Vindegaard, or is it a third one that we're Vindigo. not able to say? Vindigo. Vindigo. We, we, we settled it, yeah. Andrew. This All right, is, there you, this is the record. Um, but I'm not Danish, so I'm not Danish, so maybe I'm mistaking as well. So <laughs> you never know. Close, close enough. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess How I'm closer you... than you were. Yeah. <laughs> How did you create this apparatus inside the team where you can? find these guys like how how did you even know about primos i know we met with ralph dank in like a beer garden in salzburg um it, when when bora wanted to sign him and, and he turned him down to come to you guys a how did you find him and b how did you win that bid basically how did you convince him to come to yumbo instead of bora well i think um from the beginning i i said um uh first uh we need to get exactly as you just said with Sky, but also Rabobank was hiring good riders. And But good riders alone is not, not enough. You also have to have a good organization where they can, they can be the best version of themselves. And um, in the time that I uh, had the lowest budget of uh, in 2014 and 15, the lowest budget in 16 of the World Tour, um, I spent relatively more money on uh, training nutrition and and sleeping etc the, the the basics of cycling instead of uh, uh very expensive uh, riders let's say um, um and and that's where uh we had already and again going back to how marijn zeman and myself were looking at this was that we should have we should create a, a sporting a structure or foundation uh, on which riders can be better versions of themselves um, and also with the scouting um, um, apparatus uh, to to find uh, really good riders even though people don't know them and you have to uh, remember that in that time it was kind of uh, people came managers came by with a list and you saw 30 riders and then they said, well, this rider uh, won there and there, and this rider did that and that. And you can choose, pick and choose number 30 or number 25 or number five, and this is the price. And that was a little bit the way it worked. And, and we wanted to change that already in 2013. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, we had to wait a couple of years, but then we started to change that. And we, we said, no, we want to first meet the rider. We do tests with them. We, we see if it's a good rider or not, if he fits in our, our, our culture, because that's also very important. We also had some bad um, uh, experiences from the past uh, with riders who did not fit our, our culture, which is, which is uh, uh, not wrong for this person. But yeah, some people fit and others do not fit. And, but we wanted to make sure that there was a, a fit with us. And, and we did all these tests. Uh, is it also... Uh, physically someone who is uh, who is capable to to big things so we did a lot of tests with a lot of riders and primos was one of the guys who, who came to amsterdam and we did this test first and yeah it was from the moment we did the test we say we said okay this one <laughs> this guy we really need to have this guy and and then i spoke to him for one hour in uh in at the airport in amsterdam and uh i i also thought wow this is really a character uh, in a good way um and uh you know and that was the reason why we really wanted to have him uh, badly so yeah and that's uh and and then it started <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's 
it's him but uh in the, in the meantime we showed i think uh jonas is is an example of this way of working as well um uh Wout van Aert is a way uh, is an example of this uh Christophe Laporte is an example of this etc etc we have more riders in our team that that uh Sepp Kuss your American uh not many uh, people wanted to hire uh Sepp Kuss at at that time when we hired him and um yeah and that's that's uh that's how we how we try to work I, I remember Sepp before when he was on uh, Harley Davidson, even before he was on Rally, he went to Rally, and then something that really stuck out to me is so I'm going to butcher his name, but Ger- Gersha Neiman is that your, your Grisha, yeah. yeah, yeah. He told this anecdote. I thought it was really interesting. Where you know instead of just saying, "Oh, well, Sepp's winning all these races. He's he's a star. Bring him on the team." He just noticed him bridging groups. I think it was like at the 2006 Tour of California. He didn't win yes. the stage. He went on to finish tenth. But just to be able to to say, wow, that takes a special rider to be able to bridge that doesn't win. Yeah. So he's not getting picked off. You're not competing against a bunch of other teams trying to hire him. And then just, I, I found that so interesting. You're almost, it's almost to me like you're just saying, well, to win these big races, you have to be minimum this, this level of talent. Let's find those riders and sign them. And maybe they work out, maybe they don't, but it's better than just saying, you know, so I don't want to name a name, but so-and-so is winning a lot of U23 races, they're probably going to be good. Let's let's hire them. Is, yeah. is that a correct characterization? Yeah, 100%. That's 100% true. We, we look uh, uh, through uh, the results, let's say. And, um, you know, we, we want to... Uh, sometimes a, a rider does not have uh, very good results yet. Uh, but but we see that that he uh, that the his possibilities are, are bigger than than the results uh, show. And and that's because we do a lot of tests with with the guys, but also to, also in character. So we also look very closely to their to their character. Who, who is it? Uh, you know what what kind of person he is, and and etc. And uh, and that's uh, yeah. Grisha is really good at that. Uh, Marijn, uh, Robert de Groot. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of people. Everybody is is looking around every day, more or less, to see okay who is who is the best one. Uh, now, without results, uh, we have now Nordhagen, for example, from from Norway, uh, who's a very young rider, but he will he will be a very good rider, and he was also not on the radar of of many uh, of many teams. So uh, yeah, you have to. Unfortunately, we have to be earlier and earlier in in terms of age, but but uh, at that time we we could wait a little longer. But even today, sometimes you find someone who is already 23, 24, and, and, and you bring, yeah, and then see how far you can bring him. Richard, you mentioned the culture of the team and how important it is that the writer fit the culture and also this, this intangible but very real quality of character. When, how would you describe the culture that you seek to build within the team? And then from a character point of view, what kind of character best operates within that system? I, I think uh, we we uh, created the culture together with everybody. So we asked everybody in the team in 2016, okay, what 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 did we do wrong in 2015? But also, what is wrong in this team, and how do you want to work together? And for for us, uh, it's a team sport, and uh, it's not an individual sport. Cycling is a team sport. You cannot win the Tour de France without the help of your your teammates. You cannot win uh, a classic without the help of a uh, a, a teammate so you have to have the character to really 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 uh sacrifice your own chances your own 
um, yeah, possibilities to, to win big races to help somebody else win. And, and that's one of the most important things to, uh, for us um, uh, if we speak with, with a rider to find out if he's really, um, yeah, if he's really capable of doing that and, and putting in 100% for his companion uh, within the team to help him win. And then sometimes it's the other way around. This Sepkus is a great example of that. That that it could also be sometimes he, he worked his ass off uh, for for a couple of times for Pimos and for Jonas, and they won Grand Tour. And now it was the other way around. So it you know you will be rewarded one day, uh, but that should not be um, the objective of yourself. You know you should be able to to uh, yeah to 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 be also really happy if somebody else is winning. And that's, that's what we are trying to, uh, um, to, to, to look at. And, and myself, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as much as possible in the background because I, I see myself as a facilitating, I, I'm making, I make it possible that, that people can do what they do within, within our team. And that's, that's fine with me. I'm not the one winning the Tour de France in the end of the day. <laughs> I'm not good at, uh, enough for that, but I'd like to make sure that everybody uh, if it's a sonier, if it's a trainer, if it's a rider, it doesn't matter. I want to make sure that they can do everything that's needed to become the best sonier, mechanic, uh, trainer, coach, or rider um, uh, of our team. Because then all together, we build uh, every day, uh, we put a, a small step uh, towards uh, being on top. And that's uh, that's also the people I'd like to, to have working for me, that people are are thinking like this you know if i add something today as a mechanic in my job then i can help the whole organization to uh to to win ultimately this kind of reminds me it's like six sigma like ge's uh, internal processes it's just like uh you've almost patented something where everyone you know or i think lean was toyota's internal um, internally branded process where it's like everyone does their best. It sounds simple. Everyone does their best. The team does well. Harder to implement in reality. Uh, but just to use like Andrew's you know, twin separated at birth as an example, like Christophe Laporte, good rider at Kofidis, very <laughs> solid rider, but comes into Yumbo. And I, at the time, I thought, well, this is a pretty good signing. I, I liked Laporte. He's been much better than I thought he would ever be at Yumbo. Yeah. Like, what do you think? is going on like what inside the team is helping him do that is it just the the training camps like i think i read an interview where he said he'd never done an altitude camp with the team before that seems a little crazy but are you guys just you know just here's a plane ticket show up to this place train for two weeks is that the type of um like pampering the riders are getting at these camps uh yes but also that's uh and and people always say yeah that you need to have the money um, but that's what I, what I was saying in the beginning already. Uh, we put in a lot of effort, time, and money already in 2016 in these kind of things, because you cannot you cannot go into a Grand Tour without having a proper uh, high altitude camp, for example. So, and and what is the cost of a high altitude camp? Well, I can tell you, it's less than than hiring uh, an, an an expensive rider uh, who is not performing because that. You know, the, the damage or, or the, the cost of a not performing very expensive rider is higher than when you put him three weeks in, in a high altitude camp and, and give him the, the right food and give him the right uh, nutrition. And uh, I have a very big team of, of uh, nutritionists, of trainers, of, of uh, altitude specialists, of aerodynamic specialists, 
etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we have a great partner with Cervelo, um, who is really looking into every detail uh, of the bike to make sure that that all the all the uh, uh, conditions for the rider are, are optimal to to perform. And and yes, then then if yeah, if today in in this era uh, you did not have any high altitude camp ever. And then you're missing out an opportunity to become better, uh, to become a better version of yourself. And, and that's what we try to do. And, and, uh, and yeah, if, if a rider with the potential of Christophe Laporte comes with us and he suddenly does the basic things, because it's basic, huh? it's basic to train well, to sleep well, and to eat well. Um, if you do the basics every day, very good. Uh, then you become a, a, a better rider. Because, for example, nutrition, I think we are the forerunner on, on, on nutrition. But nutrition is not only during a race, but it's also after a race, recovery. And if your recovery is better, uh, then tomorrow you are better than than, uh, than other people because you re- recovered better. But uh, that's, that counts in races, but also in training, obviously. If you are recovered better, you can do a better training tomorrow. You can only train. I'd like to say uh, you can only train so hard as you have as you have rested. You know, if you are not well rested, you can also not train hard. And if you cannot train hard, then you miss out on on your opportunity to become to become better. So it's a balance of these uh, three things. And 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 to, yeah, to make it really basic, you have to sleep well, you have to train well, and you have to eat well, and you have to do that hundred percent. And we were just discussing about yeah, it's it's it sounds easy, but for me, I'm I'm always saying uh, if you don't give hundred percent, so me or the mechanic or the soigneur or whatever, if you're not giving hundred percent, you're sabotaging the whole process. Because if the mechanic or the rider is not giving hundred percent, the whole system misses out on let's say one percent. And and why would that uh, that that will not help us to to uh, to become a better team? And that's how we try to get everybody uh, at the same page, you have to understand that you have to act on, on uh, as we call it, yellow jersey level, because yellow jersey is the highest possible, um, which you can reach in, in cycling. So we have to act every day, every second, every decision has to be made on, on, on uh, yellow jersey level. And that's very demanding also uh, for, for the people. So it's hard work, um, but yeah. We have passionate, passionate, and 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 uh, very talented people. So uh, yeah, that's why we are here. Do you want to ask a nutrition question, Andrew? <laughs> oh, I one. have I have so many nutrition questions. I actually have like uh, a much broader question. Which Richard, you're a cyclist yourself. You were a cycling journalist. Now you're running the very best team in the world that's produced ro- results at a level that we've never seen before. What do you love about the sport? What do you love about professional cycling and why do you do this? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a sports addict in, in a broader sense. So I follow, I, I was at the rugby games uh, last week, last Sunday or Saturday in, in, in Paris. So uh, um, Ireland, Scotland. Um, I love football. I love Formula One, MotoGP, what, what have you. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm very sports addict. However, I, I started cycling myself when I was 15. And um, yeah, it, it, uh, I got hooked with that, and uh, I was not as good as as my uh, my age group. Uh, Eric Decker, uh, Martin and Bakker, people uh, the likes of these guys were were way better. And and 
in cycling that's very very clear very very soon so <laughs> you're you're very uh, easily you know you know very uh, soon that you're not good enough to, to become a, a pro but still i i had the love for the sport i, I really love the sport and um yeah i think it's it's one of the most brutal uh sports but also give you um it's it's a uh it's an example of life let's say because in a in a race so many things are happening um and and you can win you can lose you 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 will you will have easy parts you have wind in the back you will will also face headwind uh you know and you have to overcome everything of that and and that's why for me it's a kind of synonym synonym of of uh of life and maybe that's is that is why why i love it so much and this is uh we something we've been discussing is like jonas findigo before you signed him like we, we've seen the netflix doc you know it looked like it, andrew asked a question he's like what was this guy doing riding around in dutch fields it kind of looked or in, in danish fields it kind of looked like he was like was he really working in a fishery, like processing fish? Like, can you dis- either dispel some of these um, untruths or like, are these actually true? Is he just like struck, not struggling as an amateur, but not getting the results? Kind of like what we talked about with Sepp Kuss. Yeah. And then how did you guys even recognize that, oh, this is, this, this is going to be the best Grand Tour rider in the sport? For sure. Let's sign him. Um Well, yes, it's true. You worked in a fish, uh, fish, how do you say that? Cleaning the fish um and and in the afternoon so he was working early early in the morning four o'clock i think or uh something like that and he worked for a couple of hours there and then in the in the afternoon he started training and yes i can tell you uh denmark is is almost as flat as uh as holland is so uh there's no no climbs uh maybe a bridge but but that's it <laughs> so uh, but there's a lot of wind and um uh, so that wa- was why and that's all that was also as a cyclist my advantage in in holland uh, and in denmark the wind plays a big role so you have a lot of echelons and then the big guys the big motors uh, uh the powerhouses come uh, they they are good at that but at the moment the 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 road rises then then these guys come and these are better riders and they are also strong in in the echelons and that was what he found out in in denmark that the moment uh, the 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 road went up that he was uh, relatively better than the big talents in denmark and then he started to to also uh, train and race in um, in spain and or train especially and uh, in spain and and there we saw uh, we were also we got a tip also somebody uh, yeah our scouts found out of, about him and then we saw his time on the Colderates in Spain, uh, which was really, he was breaking all records at that time on the Colderates. So, uh, and we did again, all these tests, everything. And then we knew, yeah, this is, this is really a physical, big, big, big talent. Um, and also mentally, he had the, the right characteristics for us um, uh, to come to us. Uh, and, and that's, yeah, that's how it, how it went. <laughs> And now he won two times, two times the tour. <laughs> yeah, and he's looking. Yeah, yeah, and he looks pretty decent. I'd say he's gonna have a good career. <laughs> yeah. um, and how that was like a famous climb, right? It's like a big Spanish climb that everyone does in the off season. Yeah. So you could compare his Strava times. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are doing and, that ourselves, or we did that. Nowadays we're in a different place, but but we did that a lot, so we know exactly, uh, uh, yeah, uh, how fast you can go there. <laughs> 
Why do you think you guys were equipped to find and sign him versus, you know, I don't know, like not to throw them under the bus, but Bora, like how, how did you guys recognize this quicker than any other team? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how other teams uh, work. Um, the only thing I can I can say is uh, tell about myself, my own team, and and again, what we are doing is that we tell the rider that we, uh, yeah, that we, that we have every aspect of of what he should do. We have it uh, on a hundred percent level. So the training, the sleeping, the nutrition, again, and and the material and the aerodynamics, we have that on on a very high level and. In the end of the day, uh, all these guys are sportsmen and they want to win races. You know, they want to add as many victories or results uh, or being uh, the helper of someone who wins uh, big, big races. Um, and, and then the money comes. So it's first, it's, it starts with, I want to win races. I want to be the best version of myself. And, and that's, I think, how we can convince a lot of riders to to start at least with us and and then um, see where where we can bring them because we can we have now a proven track track record that we make riders yeah not better but uh, get really the most out of them um, they do it themselves of course but we are there to help them to to get the most out of themselves and again uh, the riders yeah they they want to add as many prices to their to their Palmares uh, um, as possible. So, and that's that's why the beginning of a, a career is for us. Um, yeah, we are we foster uh, talents, and and that's what a lot of riders nowadays see. And in, and that and in that time, we had to more convince them. Uh, but yeah, then also we had the same story as today. But we had to do a little bit more work to really convince them to come to us. But yeah, we also succeeded with that. And speaking of winning races, people want to win races. Can you walk us through a little bit of the decision around the Vuelta, the start list where it was, you know, Primoz Roglic was targeting that race after winning the Giro. It caught me by surprise. Stage 20, Jonas comes out and says, I'm stage 20 of the tour. I'm racing the Vuelta and Sepp Kuss is coming with me. I, I was a little surprised by that. Was that something you guys discussed internally during the tour or did he just come to the team and say, I really want to race this Vuelta? And then how did you decide to, to send him? Was it just, I'm going to, minimize risk like let's win this race if we send all these really good guys we're probably going to win this race or was there any type of debate there of like well this could upset primos no we um uh, we do we did this as we always did but we're not always telling everything uh, to the outside world but uh we we started to plan like we do today uh evaluate and plan uh evaluate last season and plan for next season and uh in the end in let's say December, January, we have a plan for the whole year. And the plan for the whole year was already uh, from the beginning of the year that uh, Jonas uh, would go with Primoz to the Vuelta. And uh, Sepp Kuz would also be be there um, normally. Then things happened uh, with COVID, etc. In, in, uh, in the Giro and, and things a little bit changed, but um, we still had the opportunity to bring Sepp as well to, to the Vuelta. Um, but but from the beginning of the year, it was clear for us that Jonas would be uh, together with Primos in in the Vuelta, and um, uh, that was that was the plan all along. And, uh, we wanted to win all three Grand Tours, so we had a goal for uh, with a, a plan for that, how to do that. And um, uh, Primos to the to the to the Giro, Jonas to the 
uh, tour and and the the two of them to to the vuelta and that's uh, how it worked out so we we stick to our plan from from let's say january uh onwards uh and we we never changed our plan um we did not tell the the outside world but because yeah there there could happen something uh to someone uh, to some rider and and then we have to adjust our our plan for uh for for the vuelta but now we did not have to adjust our plan and we did just how it was planned interesting so we don't always know everything so maybe yeah <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't ask you this. the The question I get most from people that aren't into cycling: What is going on with Wout's Red Bull helmet? How is do they sponsor the team, or is there a relationship there with Red Bull and Yumbo? Like, how how does that work? Uh, that's a completely different question, but um, it's uh, yes, it's it's a sponsor of the team. We have a, a company uh, together with the speed skating team. And um, their uh, Red Bull is also the, the the sponsor of the speed skating team, so we have some some uh, riders there and and uh, Wout with us uh, who is sponsored by uh, uh, the, the way Red Bull wants to work is that they uh, they have individual riders and, and we do not allow that. Uh, however, if you're a sponsor of the team, then we can uh, we can uh, find find solutions for that, and that's what we did with uh, with Wout. So he is. Yeah, yeah. Red Bull is sponsor of the team, and you can you can pass on this if we like for to to be a title sponsor of a team. Like, what does that cost? Like, and are, are those numbers going up? And do you think they're going up too fast? Essentially, that companies have a hard time affording that. Well. Um... I think if you look at the, the you can you can make the calculation yourself. If you look at the average budget of a cycling team in twenty twenty three, it's uh, twenty five million. Um, so that's the average budget, and uh, yeah, the the title sponsors bring in most uh, of the budget of of that, uh, or most of the money of that budget in. So yeah, you can you can make the calculation yourself and. To me, indeed, it's it's going up to. Um, I think cycling needs a real uh, revolution in in terms of in in all kinds of or evolution in in all kinds of uh, ways. We should uh, we should have a, a clearer calendar. Uh, your your the, the persons who are asking about Wout uh, Wout's helmet also probably do not understand uh, if Catalonia is a very important race or not. Uh, and to me, it should be very, very clear that it's a world tour race and that the series of world tour uh, are are very important. So, like the Champions League in in, in Europe or the the Formula One races, it's very clear a Grand Prix is one of is the biggest race. So, uh, we should have that in cycling. But also, what we should have, I think, we should look uh, in in into um, uh, budget caps or or uh, whatever salary caps or or. But maximum and minimum, you should have a minimum budget to come in, um, to come in the 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 the, the prime uh, league of of cycling, if it's a league or if it's the world tour, give it a name. But I think it's really important uh, to do that because uh, otherwise you you yeah we are in a kind of a, uh, 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 how do you say that in a, in a run run towards uh, uh, to, to get more money uh, every every year and and uh, the growth of of the budgets of teams is is going way too fast and i think that's that's uh, 
yeah, I think we should kind of try of uh, try to uh, to get a solution for that. And to be honest, that I'm I'm working on that and um, I'm trying to um, to find solutions for that for the for the near future. Right, and then Richard, I feel like now we're getting into the spicy stuff. You just answered a couple of the questions that I had on my list. I I really wanted to talk to you as well about TV rights. Do you think that there should be a redistribution of of wealth within the sport and some of the powers and wealth should shift from organizations like the ASO back to the teams so that you could have more more equity and as you said like perhaps more parity among the teams and um, access to the value that they're creating uh, uh, I think um, everybody is missing out here uh, so it's not about shifting TV rights or you know why why would an organizer give something away uh, without get, getting something back you know I, you guys if you have a salary uh, you you are not willing to to give a little bit of that away because someone else is asking for it and and does not in your in your eyes does not bring something else to the table to make it bigger but I think cycling needs to to really work together with the teams and the organizers and, and the riders obviously um to to uh, create a better uh, product and and uh, of course it's a sport and it's really important that we stay uh, stick to uh, to to the heritage heritage of the sport but still we are i still believe that that, that we uh, miss out on on a big opportunity if we are not starting to work together like i just uh, told you in 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 a better series and and two series also and uh, that you have a first level a second level uh second tier and a third tier maybe but that it's very very clear what is the most important race and what's not and like i said for an example uh my neighbor should understand uh right away with a with a, within an instance that that catalonia is is a very important race because it's a world tour race and you should there are obviously a lot of possibilities to to create that system uh such a system because there are so many examples of that look at formula one etc the motor gp uh, uh american football the nfl is is one of the biggest sports in the world i think um uh, baseball etc so there are many many examples of how you could do that without touching uh, or or uh yeah stealing or how, however you want to call it, uh, something from the other party, not from the teams, not from the organizers, not from the riders, but grow together towards a, a, a better sustainable future. And I think and th that will happen. That will happen uh, within a couple of years now. Yeah, of course. So the, the uh, let's make a bigger pizza model, not the less slices for everyone. That exactly. Makes, that, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, to go in a slightly different direction, because we would be remiss if we didn't ask this as well. What do you think about the rise of gravel? And do you think that there's some confluence in the future of world tour road racing and what's happening with multi-surface or gravel racing? Uh, um, I think we should discuss that. And, uh, to, to me, uh, I like the gravel racing and, but, but are we road racing or are we gravel racing and um you know we have in 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 cycling we have already um uh, paris roubaix which is within the heritage of of road uh, cycling and you should keep it that way i think but if you are road racing to me you should stick to that and um uh, gravel racing is something else and and now what i 
uh, I, I really loved it how how it started as a let's say me and you the, the three of us competing in the gravel race and and you know having fun drinking beer uh, before and after whatever uh, but it's it's a kind of a grand fondo kind of challenge but now suddenly uh, big paid pros with all the everything behind them to to get the best out of themselves suddenly start in in with us you know they are competing us and yeah. and that's uh and that's what i think yeah then then you should make it really a sport and people should really uh uh choose for that because yeah it does not fit in the program of many uh, road racers and it doesn't fit to my opinion in in how uh, gravel racing was set up uh in the beginning and i think it could kill, um, yeah, the fun for 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 people, the three of us, because we want to fight each other there, you know, and we are happy that there's only one guest or two guest pros, and and we th- afterwards we can say, oh wow, this guy was really going fast, hey, yeah, 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 he's a pro, you know, but but now suddenly you're facing fifty of these riders, or maybe even more, and then suddenly it's not, yeah, yeah, then then you should become yeah. a pro, or I should become a pro again to to compete with them. And that's, um, uh, I think, that's 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 very sad for 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 uh, for this uh, for this sport and for the road racers. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's just within. It's it's not their normal job. Let's say it's 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 about road racing, and I'm not a fan of of all the races. And I also said that uh, for in the Tour de France or in in the, the Vuelta, where we suddenly go over gravel. Uh, you know why? Why you know? Copy and Bartali, Bartali uh, would have would have been really happy if if they would have had uh, asphalt. Uh, uh, you know, all races. And, <laughs> Love this take. And then finally we are there. amazing. Yeah, and then finally we right. are there, and we have the material, etc., to race on roads. And then suddenly there's a 300 meter uh, gravel uh, section in there with with, uh, and everybody has a flat tire and. You ruin your your complete season because uh, because suddenly there there are rocks on the road and and things like that. So to me, it's either either you do gravel racing or you do road racing, and, and make that clear. Uh, so that's a little bit um, how I see that. <laughs> and and I love the gravel racing. Eh? No, that's that's great. I, so if you were a journalist and you were covering Yumbo in like the last two month period, how would you be covering this story? Sorry, the, the last. How many months? Like, let's say the last two months. Uh, as a very interesting, uh, uh, I'm not a journalist anymore, but this was a very uh, interesting uh, uh, period in time, and I think that's uh, uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, uh, I think we won the the world. In the meantime, we were um, in a search for the for the future and how how to do that in the best way, and I think. Uh, uh, we we gave a lot of joy and uh, and excitement to to many people. So I think as a journalist, it were was very very interesting to uh, to be um, following our team the past two to three months. Excellent. Would you source stories, or would you just kind of write whatever you thought that day? Just whatever came to your mind about what could be happening. <laughs> it feels like some of these stories haven't been that well sourced. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's correct. <laughs> there's a lot. There's there's really a lot of rumors that that were not true in in very 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 far away from the truth. Yeah. 
I heard it. I heard a wild one yesterday. I will not. I will not give it oxygen by naming it here. But is the team going to continue next year? As short, you know, short question. Of course. And it has always been. So it's a long-term project, and uh, we are here. For, if you like it or not, but we are here for uh, for another <laughs> many years. So, yeah. We like it. We like it. We're fans. It's and can you tell us the like the the first the title sponsor? Who's that going to be? No, we will do that uh, the twenty first of December um, uh, uh, during our team presentation. We will tell everything. We want to uh, finish this season in a, in a proper way with Jumbo Visma, and then uh, we'll tell uh, at the end of the year at our team presentation how we will uh, how will how we will go into the future. And after the season that you just had, what would success look like in 2024 for the team? Yeah, um, I knew that you would uh, ask this, but uh, what, what we always do, and, and it's, it's um, um, what we always do is we do the evaluation now at this moment, uh, these weeks. Then we start talking about the future next year. What is the what are our plans? What are the plans of the riders? What is what is feasible? What is what is uh, what does Wout wants to to do? Uh, Sepp, Jonas, uh, everybody, Jurgensen. Um, so we have to discuss that. We bring that all together. We we talk a lot in these months. Um, so uh, until let's say the first training camp in December, and then in December we all come together and we say, okay, this is the plan for next year. And that might be uh, a little bit different than than this year or. 100% sure it will be a little bit different than this year because we have other riders, other other ideas, other other goals in our heads. But we first have to discuss that with everybody. And then uh, you will hear it um, in uh, December. And speaking of the oddities of cycling, it's so I assume you're having camps before Jan 1 where you're getting together and, and maybe not training as much, but going to the season. Wall riders are still under contract with other teams. Uh, like, how does that work? A, like, how many camps do you have before kind of the season starts? And then, how do you deal with like, do people just train in their old kit? Like, if you're still on Bora, do you just like uh, show up? Or are you not allowed to do that? Can you not come to the planning camp? No, it's uh, we only have, we have a training camp in December, and we have a team meeting uh, only only one day in uh, in November. In the end of November, um, but yeah, from now on, eh, now more or less now or end of this week is the end of the season. Uh, then the the riders, the riders who are leaving, they train um, still on their old bike, but they are not in the team anymore. Kind of, uh, they they will not come to the December training camp or whatever. They will go to their new new team and. Yeah, for for riders, it would be better that the first of November, um, and, and not riders only, but also teams, that the first of November would be that's a better moment to change teams. Let's say because the season, the official season of the UCI also starts on the first of November. So we um, we we yeah, that that should be better on the one end. On the other end, for the tax reasons and and all kinds of other reasons. Uh, a calendar year uh, season is also good, and what we do as teams is we uh, we give riders um, um, free. Uh, so we approve that a rider goes to uh, to a training camp of his new team uh, already in de- December. So you know there we found ways to to make sure that uh, a rider can already um, get used to to his new teammates uh, in the December training camp. 
I know that I know that we uh, we can't talk about who your future title sponsor is, but I am curious, Richard. How do you think about the North American audience, and is it important in consideration of creating value for sponsors? Like, do you highly value the North American audience, or are you more thinking about Europe? No, 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 hundred uh, percent. I'm and and I think um, um, the, the U.S. and and uh, yeah, the, uh, Canada and, and and Latin America are yeah. We, you know, we need to have a big race in in America, and and uh, also there, I'm uh, I'm trying to do next to the team. I try to to do um, as as much as possible uh, for the good of of pro cycling for the future also, and and um, I'm also talking to some people uh, about yeah uh, racing in 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 Northern America in California again or or whatever state, but we need to have a big race, um, a world tour race in, uh, over there, um, just to, to come to the fence and, um, uh, yeah, be there, you know, and because yeah, it's a, it's a big country, it's a big, uh, cycling family. And, and we see with our team, how many fans are fans of our team from America. I mean, um, so it's, it's really important for us. And, and again, I think you, you guys have a great, uh, cycling um history but also uh how do you say that a, a very big group of people who, who cycle a lot and and uh, uh yeah i would love to see more races over there however i also understand that it's really difficult eh, for the yeah all the races that were there um tour of utah uh, tour of alberta uh, tour of california uh, yeah there, there were there was a lot of racing and we, it should it should be back it should be back and uh, yeah hopefully we can we can find ways to do that yeah, the Tour of California, in my opinion, that was the one that, that probably stung the most. That was a very popular race in California, very wealthy place. A lot of people live there. Yeah. I guess they just couldn't make the money work. But it does seem crazy that there's a World Tour race going on right now in the middle of the night yeah. um, in countries that watch cycling, and then there's not one in California. I don't quite understand that. And you know, before we let you go, could you, like, I think we all, we all daydream perhaps like, oh, I would love to be the general manager of a sports team. <laughs> and you know, you'd think, oh, you know, you're in a room, there's 50 monitors, you're watching every race, you're, you're every, you're, moni- you're on the training peaks profile of Primo's looking at his five minute power today. I'd assume it's not really like that. Like, could you give us, give us a quick, like what, what is the day in the life of a, of a cycling team manager? Well, you, you would have, uh, have less hair, um, as you can see. <laughs> because of because of the worrying and sitting like this all the time um uh, because yeah it's 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 running a team and we have like uh it's, it's running a company so it's it's you know making sure that everybody um uh yeah gets the most out of himself commercial managers whatever what have you uh trainers coaches riders uh everything so you have to uh, make sure that everything is is going smoothly, and you have to have very, very, very good people around you um, who can who can handle a lot of responsibility uh, themselves. So uh, you can you can manage that that all. And that's uh, yeah, my my day is always uh, in the morning. I try to cycle myself because I know that my day is running um, always to, until late in the evening because the races are at the end of the afternoon, and then the coaches start to call uh and and the things are happening so i try to cycle first and then uh or do something else first in the morning and then uh, uh yeah it's a lot of calling a lot of uh yeah that's uh and and a lot of fun i can tell you also 
do you work from home or do you get is there like a skyscraper a yumbo visma skyscraper yes. yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. in the netherlands yeah, yeah there's a very big one it's like uh, 25 stories and uh no <laughs> no we have uh, yeah you've seen this maybe this this uh, video on on youtube we we made it when we opened our uh, facilities in den Bosch. Uh, so i'm there uh, twice a week maybe three times a week but i'm working also from home and i'm working a lot uh, at the races of course because uh yeah, that's where between brackets my 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 uh, my people are so i'd like to see as as often as possible the people uh, who are working for me so and that's at the races so that's why i'm traveling a lot and um but i also work a lot uh, from home yeah right when i saw that video of the headquarters the first thing i thought was wow this is an amazing facility the second thing i thought was how many takes did they have to do to get this video <laughs> like that was pretty incredible <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You should ask our uh, video guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he had a drone, and he uh, no, he's pretty good at that. So I, I think he didn't yeah, need that much. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. So Richard, I uh, I know that you need to bounce. I do have to ask because you mentioned that you go out, you ride every day. We didn't get really get into the high performance um, aspects of the team and the aerodynamicists and other people that you all work with. But I think a question a lot of people have is looking at your team everyone is running their their shift levers straight forward the trend in the sport of course is to camp them in what's going on <laughs> that's an aerodynamic question and 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 also a, a ergonomic uh, question you know how do you feel uh, uh, sitting like that uh, and is it still safe to do, to do so um so yeah that's an aerodynamic question and, and some riders but uh in our team also have it a little bit uh banded in eh? so uh it's it's not, okay yeah, yeah, right yeah. i so, haven't noticed must be must be very subtle you know it's it's very subtle indeed some yeah some some riders from other teams have a really aggressive uh, uh band but uh with us it's it's a little bit but it has to do with a couple of things and like i said ergonomic uh, does it feel right or not I mean, why why did people race already for ages in in the way it is, uh, and now suddenly change? So that's that's uh, something to uh, to keep in mind. And the aerodynamics play play a big role in there. And of course, the new rule that you um, that you cannot uh, have your uh, how do you call it uh, the uh, uh, the pawn uh, or something the the, uh, the, like your, the your forearm? yeah the forearms where they were yeah, laying yeah. on the on the handlebar. Uh, which right. is not allowed anymore. Uh, so people are looking for ways to be more uh, aerodynamic in the end of the day. Um, but yeah, control of your bike is also really important, and uh, you know you, you should be uh, yeah you should be really aware of that as well. It is funny to me that this is a classic cyclingism where it's the the most successful team in the sport is doing one thing, and then everyone's like, no, no, let's. Let's put them in as much as possible. Let's get a 200 mil stim out here. Like, well, maybe you should see what Yumbo's doing. They're <laughs> they're pretty successful. Like, uh, maybe look, yeah. Can you control your bike? That seems to be important. But yeah, Andrew, do you have anything else to ask before we take off? I mean, I could keep going for another two hours, but I know, I know we need to stop. <laughs> We're gonna uh, have to but you have to train. You, down you have Spain. to train, sleep, and eat for the waffle ride. Uh, so that's right. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be prepared. Well, we need yeah, to get you over for. We need to get you over to race with us. I think that's probably the next step here. Yeah, maybe next year then. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Richard. No and problem. Yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, tracking you down in the future. We to, for part two of this interview to go a little deeper into the performance side. So uh, just keep keep one eye open. You'll see us. Coming. Okay. No problem. Thank you for your time. That's all. Well. 
Yeah, thank you. you. All right.